Welcome in. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me. I turned this channel from audio only into video in, I believe, March or April. And I have to say, this is the most excited I've been since doing YouTube video to have a show. We finally have actual tangible football news to talk about. Not speculation, not maybe, not what if. We actually have real football substance to talk about. I couldn't possibly be more excited. Let's get into it. Let's go. We talk about respect. We're talking about respect around the country. One thing that we want more than anything else, and that's respect. Welcome to the Always Irish Show. A whole lot of Notre Dame football and a little bit of everything else. That's often annoyed. Here's Johnny. That's right. Welcome back. Welcome into a weekend edition of the Always Irish Show. Thank you for joining me. We got a lot to cover. I'm excited to do it. It's actual football to talk about. Let's get the propers out of the way and get into it, okay? YouTube, obviously, Always Irish. You can find me there. Twitter, always Irish or at JKZND4. The email, always IrishND at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, share, review, write mean comments. John, you're a big dummy. We're sick of looking at your ugly face. I don't care what you do. I just like the interaction, so keep it coming. Oh, for you audio only people, I'm impressed with myself. I am a tech moron. And in about a day and a half, two days, I managed to switch all the audio over to Anchor. And I believe it's already working and shooting out to uh, to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all those different places. You should be able to get the audio-only versions anywhere that you listen to audio-only podcasts. If you can't find it on one, let me know and I'll make sure I work on it. But... So far, every platform people use, they've been able to find it. So I think we're good to go on audio. Really a smoother transition than I thought. Thank you to the other podcasters and Twitter people who reached out to me, gave me some guidance on what to do, how to set it up, all that stuff. I do appreciate you, okay? So let's get into this. Notre Dame has officially joined the ACC for 2020, okay? So... There's a lot to talk about within this, but I have to start it with a caveat, okay? And we're just going to get it out of the way. For the last couple months, everything we talked about football-related had a COVID through line in it because we didn't know what it was going to do, don't know how it's going to react, all the speculation, we're going to have a season, not have a season, all that stuff. I want to be clear. All of that's still in play. So as we go through the rest of this episode, I'm going to set it up as if we're going to play all these games and it's going to happen. But I want the backdrop to be understood that the virus situation's still real. It's still a problem. There's still complications that could ruin all of this. But quite frankly, I'm sick of talking about that. I want to talk about actual football. So as we do that, just understand in the backdrop, it's understood 
that the virus could disrupt this, ruin it all, blow it all up two weeks in before it starts halfway through. I don't know. So let's just go into it understanding that. Now, in that same vein, Notre Dame did another round of testing. It came out today. They have nobody positive again. The national media is touting Notre Dame as mastering the bubble. They've done a really, really good job. That's obviously encouraging. It's good to know Notre Dame's taking it seriously, doing a good job. Whatever they're doing is working. It's great to be the model for this. But what we've seen in other sports with the Marlins, with baseball, all this stuff, you could have most people doing it right. It just takes a couple schools that aren't to ruin this for everybody. I was seeing tweets about an hour ago. Major League Baseball might have to shut down. I don't know how long for the season, whatever. But you got one team that has it. The team they played has to quarantine. They're not playing the next game. It isn't just that one team it affects. It's the people they play before them. It's the people they play after them. It's all the travel in between. All that kind of stuff. So Notre Dame's doing a great job. Should be praised for it. But understand, I've heard and read. There are some other schools that aren't taking it as serious. They're more laxed in what they're doing. That's all it takes to blow this up and ruin it, is, is not everybody doing this thoroughly and, and as well as they could. Okay, so we need to understand that piece of this discussion is ongoing as a factor. Also, both the Pac-12 and SEC have a bunch of players and players' families not happy with how things are handled, asking a lot of tough questions, demanding a lot of things, okay? This is an ongoing issue with some of these kids saying, we don't feel like we're being protected. What are you doing? Uh, Particularly in some schools where it's going to be online classes only, but they want the football players to come back to campus. How could you justify that safety-wise if we're not employees? These are all complicated legal things, that are going on now behind the scenes with this situation. So now that we know, let's get that out of the way. It's a fluid situation. Let's talk some real football, shall we? So Notre Dame's a full ACC member for this year, eligible for the ACC title game, eligible for the ACC's Orange Bowl bid. Okay, So the way they're going to do it is more of a Big 12 type situation with the 15 ACC teams 15 now with Notre Dame included was 14 before going to play 10 and one. So you're going to play 10 ACC games. You're going to play one other game. Okay. So let's talk about what this means for Notre Dame in the short term and the long term. I think this is the overarching big theme to me. That's most important to me as we go into this weird season, okay? So, this venture we're going on is awesome in many ways. It's a test run to join the ACC without any commitment. It's a test run to see what ACC permanent life would be like without any backlash going to Swarbrick or anything for choosing this over independence and all that stuff. Everybody's absolved of all that in my mind because this is a backup emergency plan B. And I think for it to be an emergency plan B, this is about as good as it gets. You're getting a full ACC test drive with no commitment. 
as a backup plan, this is awesome, I think. I think this is the best case scenario as a backup plan. I have no issues with it whatsoever. But here's the main point. Here's the biggest point of this episode, by far, to me. Doing this has tremendous upside for Notre Dame and equally tremendous downside for Notre Dame. This is a huge, huge double-edged sword for Notre Dame. We are now under the microscope even more than in any regular season where Notre Dame's already under the microscope. We're all asking for something good to happen, win a big game for once, upset somebody. We're all glued to that. Everybody else is watching to see Notre Dame lose, get embarrassed, ridicule us on social media, just like everything, okay? So that's the environment Notre Dame's used to living in. This one-year ACC temporary agreement ratchets this up to 100, in my opinion, towards the good or towards the bad. Here's what I mean by this. Let's say Notre Dame was able to do enough in the regular season, whatever this regular season is, that they're even eligible to play most likely Clemson in the ACC title game. So whatever happens in the regular season, one loss to Clemson maybe, two losses catch one to one of these other teams that we're going to talk about, but it's enough that we match up with Clemson in the ACC title game. No matter what happens in that game, even if we get killed, yeah, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be livid because it shows you gain no ground over Clemson since 2018. But if we make it to that game in Charlotte, no matter what happens in it, Notre Dame did a pretty good troll job then. Because you could say, we joined a conference for one year, made it to the, the title game in that conference. Now we're going right back to Independence next year. Even if we lose that ACC title game, that's still a really solid troll job that Notre Dame jumps in first year ACC title game. Okay. No fan of those other ACC schools can rip on Notre Dame, even if Clemson beat us 30 to 3. We've seen that story before. Even if that happened, fans of the ACC can't really say anything because they all had equal opportunity to be in that game against Clemson as we did, even if it goes bad and we lose. So to me, this is a big opportunity and a major troll job Notre Dame could pull. Okay, I'm not even going to start talking about what if Notre Dame won the ACC. I hope everybody out there realizes to do that, that means you're playing Clemson at least twice. At least twice. Once in the regular season and then once in that that ACC title game. So I understand that's a funny thing to say. Notre Dame people were all over Twitter, you know, we're going to get in this conference, win it, and then peace out. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I understand that in jest. It's a lot harder to do in reality. But I think what shouldn't be is acknowledging that Notre Dame's the second best team in the ACC. I don't really think that's up for debate. It's Clemson by a wide margin, Notre Dame. Then you have a bunch of teams nipping at their heels, okay? So there's really good troll upside for Notre Dame to to navigate this and end up going back to independence next year. That's the other thing, guys. No matter how this goes, Notre Dame's not joining the ACC next year. 
This is a one-year pandemic emergency plan B to get us through, give us a season. Then we go back to our independent status, okay? So the upside is making it to that ACC title game shuts a lot of people up about, oh, you're too scared to join a conference. We could just say we jumped in one one year, made it to the title game. It's not that hard. And then peace out. No matter how that game ends, I'm still going to be mad if we lose it, and it's embarrassing. But to all the conference people and the ACC people, they're all going to be joining a conference. You're going to be able to say you did it one year and it went well. Okay? Now, here's the downside to that. While I love that material for this show and for Twitter to be able to use as ammunition against these numbskulls and morons that come at Notre Dame fans every day with vitriol, a lot of it that's illogical and not even factual, this would this would be the ultimate feather in the cap. Joined one year, made it to the title game. What else do you want from us? It's not that hard. That's the angle we're going to be able to use. The flip side is, the flip side is, You lose to Clemson in the regular season, which everybody expects us to. That's one loss. You drop two or three more of these silly games, maybe to Louisville, upstart North Carolina, you know, whatever you want to say, maybe Florida State, you know, I don't know. You end up in the middle of the pack in this ACC this year, especially when it's considered a down ACC. You see, I think they're on the way up, but they're not there yet. Florida State, Norvell's going to change that around. I still think Miami's capable of more. Virginia, Virginia Tech should be better than they are. North Carolina's getting a lot of recruiting attention. Mac Brown's respected there on the rise. I expect Louisville to be very tough in a couple years. Then you have the monster Clemson sitting there, okay? So, especially in a perceptually down year for the ACC... If Notre Dame ends up in the middle of this pack with three or four losses, you're gonna we're going to live with that forever. That will be the ultimate. Notre Dame, you joined a conference, ended up in the middle of the pack, even in the ACC when it's down. Look at you losers. Now, and then it, that'll turn into you finish middle of the pack in a lower level SACC. And then you're leaving and going back to independence because you can't hang. That's not true, but that's going to be the argument. That's going to be the argument. You try to one year, finish in the middle of the pack. See, it's not as easy as you think. And now you're wussing out going back to independence. Notre Dame cannot afford to do that. They cannot afford to do that. Okay. All I talk about is Lou Holtz says, quote, what do we want more than anything else? And that's respect. That's ratcheted up 100% under the under this arrangement. You make it to the ACC title game no matter what happens. It's pretty hard for anybody to make fun of you at that point. You join one year and made it. You end up with two, three, four losses in the middle of the pack here. That's a different discussion. That's a different level of ridicule that we're going to take. It's perfect ammunition for the trolls that already hate us. You joined for one year, couldn't hang, now you're leaving. Notre Dame cannot afford to do that perceptually. I'm always about gaining national credibility and respect in terms of perception. That's my number one goal here. So if Notre Dame does what they should do 
as the team with the second best talent in this entire conference. They should play Clemson twice, and the second one should be in Charlotte in the ACC title game. Okay? But there's a lot on the line in terms of respect and perception. You have to make it to Charlotte to make this experiment worth it. You have to. Okay? So where this leaves us is, I think Brian Kelly's pitch to these kids and this team just got so easy. It's so clear-cut. What you say is, in the 133 years of Notre Dame playing football, you have the chance to do something we've never done before. You have a chance to make that history. Even if this team won a championship, that's been done before at Notre Dame. Go out, win the ACC. Go out and win the ACC. At a minimum, be in that game in Charlotte. Okay? This is a lot less nebulous and bigger than what it usually is because of the purview of this conference. It went from this big national thing to now we're worried about just what happens in this conference. These 10 to 11 games. Okay? So, to me, Brian Kelly's pitch is very straightforward, very simple. Everybody, Guys, everybody knows this is weird. We just need to control what we can control. Do our part to be safe. Be prepared for these games. Go win the ACC. Go get into that ACC championship game. The goal is crystal clear. To me, everything's on the line in terms of respect, credibility, dignity. Forever. Forever. You do this once. Then go back to independence. That result, good or bad, for this test year is going to live with us forever. If it goes well, you make it to the title game, feather in our cap, shut all the trolls up by saying we're one for one, perfect 100%. Tried it one year, made it to the title game. What else you want from us? See, it ain't that hard. You lose it. You lose three or four of these games, end up in the middle of the pack. That level of ridicule, I don't even want to process in my mind, and there's nothing we could say about it. You will not have one comeback. You lose to Clemson in the regular season, fine. Everybody could live with that. Anything else here? I don't know. You lose two of them. You end up with three losses in this ACC. Middle of the pack. That's a level of ridicule I'm not prepared to endure. Okay? So there's a lot on the line here. Brian Kelly's goal is simple. You tell the guys embrace this. We're going to stay safe. We're going to play together. We're going to make a statement and gain credibility in this weird, messed up year. So there's a lot, lot on the line. Okay. Everything's on the line. Notre Dame cannot afford to make a mockery of this opportunity and troll itself by dropping three or four of these games. Even two. I don't want to go there. Okay. So that's what I think's on the line. This is a huge perceptual opportunity for Notre Dame. Okay? So, I don't understand that there's still 
other fans that are mad that Notre Dame's getting to play in this ACC title game, what I would tell those people is you should embrace this other over the other ACC idea, which was these geographical pods. In the pod scenario, we weren't set up to play Clemson, and we weren't eligible for the ACC title game. You also add in that we're not going to play Wisconsin, Stanford, USC. That makes it look like Notre Dame's path to 10-0 and or 9-0 and or 11-0, and whatever it's going to be, would be pretty straightforward. Avoid Clemson. Avoid all the other big games. Sit there at 10-0. and Let everybody else beat each other up. Round robin in these conferences. And then you're sitting there pretty with a, a clean record looking to make a playoff bid. So if that's the alternative, these other fans should be happy Notre Dame has to go through Clemson now. So philosophically, I don't understand that. I, I, I just don't, okay? So that's how I see that. The other thing with this is, and this is probably a, the biggest takeaway I've learned from all this is, It's very clear now. Notre Dame and the ACC are very, very strong partners. They like working together. Okay, They got all this done, made the concessions with the NBC TV money, Notre Dame cutting all 14 teams a million dollars, Okay, sharing that, letting Notre Dame have access to the ACC's Orange Bowl bid, letting us have access to the ACC championship game. And, and I was reading about this both from Swafford and Captain Jack. Didn't really seem like there was any hang-ups or big problems during this negotiation. Seemed like it was a pretty friendly working environment here where they were on the same page, came up with this plan. Everybody's cool with what they're conceding and taking. Okay. So for a plan B, this came together pretty darn good. And, and it's very clear to me that's a damn cozy relationship between the ACC and Notre Dame, okay? So, let's let's talk about the schedule a little bit. So, they the ACC put out that big kind of diagram showing who's playing who and explaining all this different stuff. What we don't know yet is the actual calendar. You know who you're going to play home, who you're going to play away. But we don't know the dates yet. So if you're looking to gauge how hard this slate is, I kind of need to see how these are stacked. So I could see if we have a few weeks in a row that are brutal or tougher or easier or if it's on, off, on, off, hard team, easy team. That all goes into it. You know, who you play right before Clemson, right after Clemson. What's going to happen with these bye weeks? If there are some, are you going to have to make them up if teams can't play due to the virus? We don't know all that. So what we do know is home games, Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Louisville, Syracuse. Away games, Boston College, Georgia Tech, which has been moved from the Falcon Stadium back to their home on campus stadium, by the way. North Carolina on the rise, North Carolina, Pitt, and Wake, okay? Now, the interesting thing is the ACC is making a mandate that for that 11th game, it has to be uh, played inside the ACC home team state. 
So that means it pretty much has to be at Notre Dame. It makes no sense to move it to the professional stadium in Indianapolis with limited or no fans anyways. So I don't know what's the easiest move here. You call Navy and say, hey, you got to play us here this year. We'll throw you a bone. Like, I don't know what, what your other options are. It's not Arkansas. They're playing SEC only, so that's out. Same with the Big Ten, so it's not Purdue in that state. You know, if you want to do that, local. So I don't know what it's going to be. Telling Navy it's got to be played at our place if you want to play us this year seems like the most obvious thing to me. Where it falls in the schedule, all that, I don't know. Going to have to figure that out, okay? So when you look at this, couple things to understand. One is, the betting odds for the ACC are pretty much what you would think. Clemson as the favorite, Notre Dame number two, Miami number three, fine. When you get past Clemson, Notre Dame, I'm open to whatever you want to do, Miami, fine, for the third best odds, fine. But when I look at this, yeah, you don't have that pitfall of Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. You don't have the the speed, skill, talent that Southern Cal has, right? You don't have that. But there are definitely multiple teams other than Clemson Notre Dame could lose to. Should they? Based on talent? Absolutely not. But Notre Dame loses a lot of games they shouldn't lose based on talent in the past. So they are 14-1 versus ACC teams the last three years. But when I look at this schedule, Clemson's Clemson. Take them out. We know what they are, who they are. Florida State has the talent. They could beat Notre Dame. Louisville could beat Notre Dame. Louisville's an upstart team with a lot of speed and skill. Louisville could cause you problems. North Carolina. They're they're a darling dandy pick for a lot of stuff. And they have the recruiting momentum with Mac Brown. I don't know if I expect that all to kick in year one right away that they're good and beating people. I don't know. But they're on the rise, and they should give you concern. Pitt. Pitt's an annoying team for Notre Dame. So many of our games against Pitt don't seem like like they should be as close as they end up being. Back in 2018, we barely scraped by Pitt. All the way back in the good year in 2012 where we made it to the title game. Three overtimes to beat Pitt, okay? They're just a team that's a pain in the ass for Notre Dame. So I think Clemson's the only team with more talent. There's no doubt about that. But if you sleepwalk, you mess around, you make some dumb mistakes, Florida State's in play, Louisville's in play, Pitt's in play, North Carolina's in play. So make no mistake about it. No Notre Dame fan should look at this schedule as a, a total joke and just think you're going to run through it. Louisville scared me a little bit game one last year. I didn't expect to see that much speed from them. Okay? So just keep that in mind. But Notre Dame is 14-1 versus the ACC the last three years. So I do think that's pretty damn telling. Now I know some of those teams went through coaching changes. They're on the way up. They were bottoming out. Now they're on the... I understand that. But where Notre Dame's at with Brian Kelly, that shouldn't be your excuse. 
you're already established, been around a dozen years, whatever it is. Notre Dame should beat every team except for Clemson. They just should. Now, I know not everything happens according to coulds and shoulds. I understand that, but that's what should happen. Here's the other part of this. I don't know how many losses it's going to take to be eligible for that ACC title game. I fully expect Clemson to have zero losses or one at the worst to Notre Dame or somebody else. If they are sleepwalking, a bunch of dumb stuff happens, Lawrence has an injury, you know, whatever. But I'm building Clemson in for one of those spots. And then when you look at the other one, is it going to be one loss gets you in? Is it going to be two losses get gets you in? That's the part I don't know about these conferences going to conference only. How much cannibalization is going to take place? Look at the SEC. You get rid of the, the divisions. They're all playing each other. Is this a matter where they knock each other up for two or three losses for the best two teams? I don't know. I don't know. That's just something we're going to have to look at. But I do think there may be some extra leeway and flexibility to get into that ACC title game outside of Clemson. I'm building them in with, say, zero or one loss. Notre Dame might be able to get in it losing to Clemson and then one other dumb game. Louisville gets you, North Carolina gets you, something stupid happens, right? You're better than all these teams, but silly stuff happens. It's football. Might be able to make it to that game still with two losses. I don't know, but I don't want to test that theory. I think Notre Dame needs to lose to Clemson, if anybody, and then nobody else. That's how this needs to go. Make it very clear that we are the second best team in this conference year one. So nobody else can say a word to you. None of these conference people, none of the other ACC fans could be mad about anything. They could have done better, been better, played better, won more, been in the ACC title game. Notre Dame needs to claim that spot, shut everybody else up. Okay? Shut everybody else up. That's what they need to do. Okay? The other thing is, you got to think about this as well. And it's been on my mind. These conferences going to conference-only schedules mean they no longer have the luxury of building in DeVry Tech Online University for a late November bye week. They're going to have to actually play Power 5 teams every game. They're not used to that. They're not used to that. So I expect more losses from some of these teams. They don't have those built-in games against nobodies in junior colleges. The ones in late August, September are offensive enough as a warm-up game. But the ones in November when everybody's fighting for a playoff position are just totally offensive. You get into the most critical part of the year, and you got SEC teams playing Liberty. Give me a break. Okay, so I'm glad to see they're not even allowed to do that this year. I love seeing that. So, moving on to some other notes. Okay. Now, I don't fully understand all the dynamics of this situation, but whenever Barstool's involved, I I you know, you you don't know what you're going to get. Phil Yurkovic, 
transferred out of Notre Dame. You all know my frustrations with that. I wanted him to get more of a chance at Notre Dame. It didn't happen. Some of it's natural development. Some of it I've heard effort on his part. Some of it I've heard is coaching. Some of it's his attitude. I've heard things about all of that being a part of his lack of development. So then he transfers to Boston College. He ain't going to get a chance to play. He didn't develop right. Whatever the problems were with him, with the staff, just a natural lack of development, hit the wall, whatever it is, it didn't work out. Goes to BC. He's still waiting to get his waiver approved to be able to play right away. Oh, by the way, Notre Dame plays BC next year. So you have some of these other players with these high-powered lawyers. They get approved. That waiver gets approved like nothing right away. Phil's still waiting for his. From everything I understand, I have not been told Notre Dame and Brian Kelly's purposefully holding his waiver and, and putting up a grievance and not allowing it to go through. Maybe that is happening, but from everything I understand, I don't, I don't understand that to be the case, that Notre Dame's the one holding this waiver approval up. But then there comes this Barstool BC account with a picture of Brian Kelly and then Phil behind jail bars, the implication being that Notre Dame is holding his transfer waiver back from being approved. Then you had Phil liking that or posting it on Instagram or whatever. Now, I think that's kind of an immature thing to do, path to go down if you're Phil. But that's what happened yesterday. And I, do, I just, I don't know what to make of it. Because I don't know, I have not heard Brian Kelly and Notre Dame is holding up this waiver. So if they're not and he's doing this, it's very misdirected. And if they are doing this, it's kind of immature of Notre Dame, even though we played BC last year. You didn't think the guy was good enough to give him a chance to play for you. You shouldn't care if he plays for BC. That's how I see it. So if if he wasn't going to get a chance with you, you shouldn't care where he goes and if you play him next year. here's So I don't know all the backstory and if Notre Dame's holding this up, but I do know this. If he's eligible to play and he starts for BC, Notre Dame BC just got juicy. Just got really damn juicy. Okay? I would love to see this. Love to see it. Okay? So I don't know how it's going to work out. Maybe he needs to get a lawyer all these other guys got. Justin Fields and all these guys that play right away. Shea Patterson play right away. Aloe Gilman leaves the military to go to Notre Dame. Denied. Kiss my ass, NCAA. There's no rhyme or reason how they do this waiver situation. The better the lawyer you have, the quicker it goes through and you get approved. That's honestly what I've learned about this process. Okay? So, I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's going to be interesting if he's eligible to play against Notre Dame right away. That's must-see football for two schools that hate each other anyways, okay? So, here's the other thing. And this came up on the Always Pigskin show I do every Thursday nights with Pigskin Pete. He knows my preference for Notre Dame to remain independent, 
for tradition reasons, schedule parity reasons, recruiting reasons, all that kind of stuff. He brought up to me that he's hearing from more and more Notre Dame fans that are against my idea of maintaining independence and that a bunch of Notre Dame people messaged him after I get on here and say I want the independence and say to him that they disagree with me and they like the flexibility that being in a conference gives you. You don't have to go 12-0. and 0. You can maybe lose a game or two, make it to the ACC title game. And they prefer the easier access Notre Dame would have. And they're open to being in the conference full-time more than I am. The main reason I dislike it is straight-up tradition. Okay? But here's a practical angle you have to think about. If you're interested in Notre Dame being in it full-time for the increased flexibility it gives you to make the playoff, okay? Yes, I acknowledge full-time conference membership does indeed give Notre Dame a bigger margin of error on any given year to make the playoff. I agree with that 100%. It's not debatable. You look at a school like Florida State, they can get blown out by Purdue on some bad Thursday night game, it doesn't matter. They're still in the discussion for the playoff. Those are angles Notre Dame doesn't have. Notre Dame gets blown out in any game, it's out. So there's no doubt you get more flexibility to make the playoff with a mistake or two on your schedule in a conference full-time. Here's why I still don't like it. One is, independence is who we are who we've always been, 133 years in Notre Dame football. You get rid of it, win a different way. Are you still Notre Dame winning it? Now, I'm not saying, John, if we win it as an ACC member, you're not going to celebrate? No, I will celebrate. I will be happy. We will have earned it. But it just won't mean as much to me, and it won't feel as much to me personally if we do it the conference way and not the independence way. Now, that's just me personally. If you say we join fair and square with everybody else and win, it it means the same to you. Fine. Fine. Everybody's different. You could have that opinion. I won't kill you for it. I understand it. My personal preference would be do it the way we've always done it. Prove it could still be done while maintaining a high GPA and high-quality men on our team. That's the ultimate win for me. Us winning a title, doing it our way. Good grades, good kids, hard schedule, independent, fly everywhere, play anybody, not afraid to do that, okay? So, philosophically, there's an existential problem I have with Notre Dame winning that way, but I won't feel like it's the same Notre Dame winning that way. You could disagree with that if you want. That's just me personally. So much of my identity with Notre Dame is built into pride of independence. Playing anywhere, flying anywhere, different styles of football all over the place. I love that. I value that. For me, that is a humongous part of what Notre Dame is. You lose that. Anything that happens after it isn't going to feel the same or as good to me or as natural to me or as pure to me or as true to me. 
Joining a conference full-time is a concession in my mind. Saying we couldn't do it our way, it got too hard, we need to do it another way. I don't like the feel of that. Yes, I'll still be... If it happened and we did it and won, I'm still going to be happy. But it isn't going to be the same pure joy as doing it the way we used to. That's number one. Here's number two. This gets overlooked a lot, and it's a mistake. You go ahead and make Notre Dame an ACC member full-time. They then become a regional program. That affects Notre Dame's recruiting base hugely. You cannot think it's going to be recruiting as usual at Notre Dame if they join the ACC. Then you become a regional recruiting program. Okay? That's not something I'm interested in. You're not going to be able to go out west and recruit kids anymore. Notre Dame's had troubles in California already. You may as well write it off completely in recruiting if you do this. That's an angle you guys need to think of. If you do this, Notre Dame becomes a geographical regional program, cutting off half its recruiting pipelines it's had for 100 years. It isn't going to be the same. You can't pitch to these kids. Mom and dad could come watch you play when we play Southern Cal in California. That's over. Okay? So do not underestimate the recruiting impact of turning this into a regional program. That hurts. That hurts. That's something I don't think we want to do. Recruiting at Notre Dame's already hard enough. You become regional. That increases and ramps up that issue. Okay? So that's something that needs to be talked about in this discussion. This isn't strictly just John's emotional ties to independence. Logistics in recruiting matter. You become regional, you're going to lose some of that. And life's already hard enough recruiting if you're Notre Dame. Okay? So you got to think of that as well. Here's the third piece of this. The third piece of this is, if you're interested in Notre Dame joining a conference full-time, and your main reason for it is the increased flexibility for playoff access. I suggest to you, sit back and give it a few more years. We have this weird 2020 COVID year. Then in a couple more years, the TV contract comes up for the playoff. And you might be looking at expansion. If they go to eight teams, which is what I think is most likely... I think 10 or 12 is too big. I don't think if they're going to make a change, they'll think six is big enough. So that's how I think you're going to end up with eight. If you end up with eight, it opens Notre Dame's path to be an independent and get in with one loss. Now, you already know my thing. For now, most years, Notre Dame has to go undefeated as an independent to make it. If this goes to eight... I feel a lot better of Notre Dame having that one game cushion and still making it. So if your angle of being pro-conference full-time is playoff access-based, we might be able to stay independent and help that issue anyways if they go down this path. And I think it's coming because it's too much money not to. 
And you know what else, too? Whenever we come out of this COVID situation, people are going to be chasing this money. Expanding the playoff and getting way more revenue than everybody's getting now for that. What a perfect way to fill the coffers back up. Right? So those are my thoughts. Like, I'm not going to kill people if you just say, I think it's more flexibility for us to make the playoff as a full-time conference member. Fine. I get it. But I think that situation may be resolving itself in a few years anyways. So do this experiment for one year. Make it to the ACC title game to shut everybody up. Go back to independence. Let it expand to eight. And then you're golden. Then you could have one crappy game, lose, play other good games, make the playoff with one loss. Okay? So that's kind of my position on that. Okay? Now, a couple more things to end on. In recruiting, Notre Dame's gotten five commitments in the last nine days, and they're still waiting Rocco Spindler's decision on top of that. Pretty good momentum. Okay, Chance Tucker, Logan Diggs, Mitchell Evans, the offensive lineman Joe Tanoa, Jack Nickel. Okay, Tanoa and Nickel are 2022 guys, four-star. Okay, so go figure. What's Notre Dame known as? Offensive lineman, tight end. First two guys in 2022, four stars each. An offensive lineman and a tight end. Okay, so that's good momentum. Five guys in nine days going into Rocco Spindler. Everything I've been told with Rocco is Notre Dame people feel good about it. They think he's been a silent commit for a long time. All this stuff. That all sounds gr- that sounds gravy, but I was also told things were trending really good for Will Shipley. Oh, John, relax. Shipley's a good fit. I'm hearing good things. Relax. How'd that work out? So I'm not believing anybody who tells me things are trending good. How many times have we been burned by that with Notre Dame? I'll believe it when the kid commits. Okay. I'll believe it when the kid commits. Logan Diggs, he's a guy, my recruiting people, Nathan Erbach from Irish Breakdown, they tell me the kid's a stud, diamond in the rough, expect really, really good things from him. He's just not that highly rated for some reason. But I've had multiple people tell me they will die on that hill that that kid's going to be a star. Okay? So, five guys, nine days, Little recruiting momentum here. You get Rocco Spindler. Now that class is getting into the ballpark where I start to be interested again. Okay? So, that's what's going on with recruiting. It's good to have a little bit of momentum. Five guys in nine days. Everything going on with the virus, everything else. That's a pretty good run. That's a pretty good run. And sadly, we're going to finish with a couple of goodbyes. Uh, Regis died. Listen, Regis kind of became an Irish caricature of himself after a while. And it was good to have a high-powered guy on TV throwing Notre Dame stuff out there, rooting for Notre Dame. Nobody has a bad word to say about Regis. God bless him. What I love about this is he's being buried on the grounds at Notre Dame. 
warms my heart for a bunch of different reasons, some of them professional. But that warms my heart to see Regis uh, being laid to rest in Notre Dame. God bless him. A true Notre Dame man, a true gentleman. Everybody loved him. Everybody respected him. Rest in peace. I have extra peace with this, knowing he's he's literally going to be on the grounds forever at Notre Dame. I love it. Okay. The final thing is saying goodbye to Mike Golick Sr. on uh, ESPN Radio. Listen, I don't know what happened, but they're not renewing his contract, whatever. They're kind of pushing him out. You know how I feel about ESPN. Um, but it, it was good all these years to have a guy with that power behind the national ESPN morning show that supported Notre Dame, defended Notre Dame, was a Notre Dame guy. Okay, so while I didn't listen to that program a lot, listen, Greeny didn't do anything for me. No tough opinions, just he never excited me. Trey Wingo, same thing, nicest guy in the world, but I need a guy with some edge, and I just didn't see it. So I wasn't a huge listener of that morning show. But I always liked knowing we had a Notre Dame guy in our corner for that show. So I knew we were protected and taken care of that whenever a Notre Dame story came out that we are going to have to have Golick kind of in our corner. So I really liked that. Again, good guy, Notre Dame guy, family guy, family first, all those kind of values. Great guy. Had a, what, 22-year run or something like that. High-class act. Good for him. Go enjoy your retirement, golf, hang out with your kids, whatever you want to do. Okay. So, a couple Irish goodbyes for Regis and Mike Golick. And until next week, that's all I got. We'll talk to you later. See you.